0: Let me tell you why you're here, you're here because you know something, what you know you can't explain, but you feel it, you felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world, you don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast at Service of Change. We challenge reality, a question at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. It's the show that makes the paranormal normal and the supernatural natural. That's exactly what we're doing this evening's episode of The Secret Podcast. We're going to make the supernatural natural, which has already happened before our very eyes as we witnessed the supernatural event of Hurricane Harvey become a reality as it has completely decimated parts of Houston and Texas. I'm going to talk about emergency preparedness this evening, specifically how to prepare for and survive a hurricane. I'm going to review multiple articles from various Prepper websites, some things from the news as well, and share some of my own personal experience from Hurricane Katrina uh, and the most recent blizzard that we had uh, up here, just talking about emergency preparedness and survival. Uh, It's something that everybody should have an interest in, everybody should be prepared for. You don't have to prepare for the apocalypse. There's everyday things you can do. I'm not going to go over the top. I'd like to have practical tips and solutions you can be mindful of that will help you and your family uh, not just survive, but thrive in some kind of emergency or crisis if, let's hope not, but if that should happen to you or around you. Been a uh, here we go again. As once again, it's been a busy week, but an exciting week. Uh, I'm back in school, getting things ready. Students come back on Tuesday, so I'm getting the classroom ready for my endeavors there. Had an awesome conversation with my good friend uh, Ray Davis, author of Anunnaki Awakening. Him and I are working very hard on a uh, on a project. We're building a new platform. I've called out in the past, and I'm still continuing to put that call out there content creators, if you have uh, a podcast, if you have a blog, if you have artistic photographs that you take, um, and and you are looking to expand your platform, expand your reach, or you just want to contribute to something positive, good, and uplifting, please get in touch. Please keep tabs on what we're doing, because this this is going to be, I I think, a really exciting, really informative, and eye-opening platform that we're putting together. We're trying to pull in Uh, You know Some really um, insightful content creators for this site, for for you, the listeners, for you, the readers, and the consumers out there. So more to come on that, but hopefully within the next week, we're trying to get uh, the Facebook uh, group set up and established and put out there so we can start talking more about this and start pulling you in and, and telling you what this wonderful project is all about. Ray's got some good things going on. He was just on with Jimmy Church. I haven't caught his interview yet. But uh, the other night he was just on there having a wonderful discussion from understand with Jimmy Church about some of the wonderful things Ray has going on in his life. So uh, I'll try to find the link and put it in the show notes and it'll definitely be in the newsletter through service So if you haven't done so already, please sign up for that. Uh, what else did I want to get to here? Let me check my notes. That was the big thing there. So things going on in the news, most of them are weather related, but I did find a story, this comes to us from news.com.au, science and evolution is the category, it's called footprint find on Crete may push back date humans began to walk upright, we know this is a subject that's very interesting to me, human like footprints have been found on an ancient seashore, they shouldn't be there, they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Human-like footprints have been found stamped into an ancient seashore, fossiled beneath the Mediterranean island of Crete. They shouldn't be there. Testing puts the rock's age at 5.7 million years. That's the time when paleontologists believe our human ancestors had only ape-like feet, and they lived in Africa. But a study into Triaxellus, Western Crete, prints de- uh, determines them to feature prominent human features and an upright stance. And that's significant, as the human foot has a unique shape. It can com- it combines a long sole five short toes no claws and a big toe in comparison the foot of a great ape look much more like a human hand and that step in evolution wasn't believed to have taken place until some four million years ago this article goes into a lot more detail explaining the finding i've been saying it for a while i'm actually you know I'm, i'm obviously a proponent of the idea that history is not what we have been told. We are much older. There are species that I think we are just not aware of, but human history goes back much, much further. Michael Cremo is claiming that there's archaeological evidence of humans on this planet dating back several million years. That sounds crazy to us because it goes with against everything we've been taught, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. And that's something I think we should be mindful of as we search for truth and as we explore things. Just because it sounds insane doesn't always mean it's wrong. Give it a listen. Give it some research. There's some really good findings and other supporting evidence regarding this. I'll have this link in the show notes at serviceofchange.com. It'll be the newsletter on Sunday morning. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Next three articles I have come to us from unknowncountry.com. They're really good with uh, weather and climate change stories. I know Whitley Strieber is a big advocate for this. He's gotten a lot of information. He talked about it in his book, uh, The Key. Was it Master of the Key or The Key? I think it's called The Key, where he, he met this guy. Uh, this, we don't know who this guy is or where he came from, but he gave him all of this information that sounded insane at the time, but a lot of what he said is coming true. Not in a Nostradamus type of way, this guy just seems like he was a well-informed, very knowledgeable person or individual uh, about climate change and what's going on in the world. So Whitley definitely, I think he knows this stuff, and and the people in unknown country have some good stories. Uh, So this one here, uh, an Atlantic tropical storm forecast to become hurricane as another depression develops in the Gulf. This is real time, this is coming up within the next week, I believe, tropical storm Irma, presently the South Atlantic and on a north-northwest course that could take it up the U.S. East Coast, is forecast to become a hurricane over the weekend. It is not yet known if it will make landfall, but if it does, Florida and the Caribbean are the most likely areas of concern. It is also possible that the storm could move north and menace the U.S. Atlantic seaboard. Readers in any of these areas should watch this storm carefully as it is growing quickly and is forecast to become a Category 2 hurricane and continue to grow from there. Meanwhile, the Hurricane Center also identified another storm grouping that could increase in strength and menace the Gulf Coast states, including areas of southeastern Texas, where Harvey has already caused such epic flooding, according to the Weather Prediction Center. More about this in the show notes at serviceofchange.com, linking it back to unknown country. But we have another storm coming. I'm going to talk about the importance of being prepared right after I get these other stories in the news. I just want to get that out there. Please pay attention to what I'm going to go over and the links I'm going to share If you're not prepared at all, this is a great starting point. If you are a prepper, maybe you'll pick up some other things, some other ideas here. It'll be well worth your time. Speaking of weather, this one's called NIH Website Erases All Mention of Climate Change and Trump's Science Envoy Quits. This is from Wednesday, August thirtieth, two 2017. The National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences has eliminated virtually all references to climate change on its website, according to a report from the Environmental Data and Governance Initiative, published on August 20th. Similar removals were made earlier in this year in the pages of the EPA and the White House in line with climate change denial policies espoused by the Trump administration. Many of the edits involve changing instances of climate change to climate, as an, uh, as an example, A side menu link was changed from climate change and human health to climate and human health. On the surface, simple alteration seems innocuous, but eliminating the word change implies that the status quo in regards to Earth's climate isn't undergoing a profound change. Along with the recent purge was the elimination of links to the document entitled Climate Change and Human Health, a listing of environmental hazards that can impact human health and safety such as air quality, flood, drought, and wildfire. The document itself is still hosted on any... NIH's website but there are no direct links to it meaning that it can only be found if one is really looking for the file effectively rendering it hidden there's more on this I'll direct you to Unknown Country if you want to read the rest of this article it's concerning, this sounds like 1984 they're rewriting stuff, re-editing stuff now again they say it may seem like it's no big deal they're just changing it from climate change to climate but it sounds like they're hiding data and removing data now, I want to give a caveat. This is my own personal opinion on climate change. I haven't studied this extensively to the point where I could sit there and have an argue with any, argument with anybody about it. I'm of the opinion that right now change is happening. I don't know if that change is man-made or if it's a set of natural occurrences. I, and I'm leaning more towards this is a natural cycle Maybe mankind does have some kind of influence on it, but when they start talking about the carbon tax, that's when I start thinking, you know what, it's not what they're saying. My point being, our weather is changing. You can call it climate change, you can call it global warming, you can just call it climate. It is changing, and it is something that should not be downplayed, however it seems to be. We need to be mindful of this. We need to be prepared for this. We need to start taking measures to move forward to a future where we can better survive such drastic weather patterns that may be coming for us. One more story from Unknown Country. algae appearing on Greenland ice sheet may speed up world flooding. This is very interesting and very concerning. Ordinarily, the bright white surface of glacial ice found... In sea sheets, such as the ones that cover Greenland and Antarctica, serve to function as reflectors that bounce a certain amount of solar radiation back into space. This effect also helps to prevent the ice from being directly warmed too much by the sun. The effect of the ice reflectiveness, or albedo, can be compromised by changes in its color. For instance, by soot uh, being deposited on the surface from large wildfires ravaging a different part of the globe. The darkening of the ice causes it to absorb more sunlight and in turn this thus increases the temperature of the ice, hastening its rate of melt. Now a new factor has been identified that can darken the albedo of Greenland's ice, the spread of simple algae. UK-based Black and Bloom Project is currently investigating the different species of algae found in Greenland, how they spread, and their effect on the albedo of the ice. In order to add these factors into future climate change models, Current climate change models didn't incorporate the effect of the albedo on the Earth's ice sheets until 2013, meaning that these models might be underestimating melt rates. Greenland's ice sheet is the second largest on the planet, following Antarctica, and is currently contributing to one millimeter of sea level rise per year. The ice in Greenland holds enough water to raise ocean levels by 7.2 meters, which is 24 feet. Thankfully, it won't melt all at once, but researchers are concerned that the rate of melt could accelerate due to algal growth. Uh, Again, there's more interesting data and facts on here. I recommend that you check it out. But there's so many more elements that contribute to climate change. And if this algae is growing, it doesn't have anything to do with, well, are we running our cars too long? Well, maybe it does. I don't know. But this is another factor that we need to be mindful of because it could speed up and change the rates of floodwaters or oceans that will continue to rise. So I gave my caveat Check it out, look it up. Uh, if you have information on climate change, if, if you've studied this a little bit more in detail, I'd, I'd honestly love to hear from you. I'd love to talk to you about it on the show, or if you want to write an article and, and submit it, uh, please do so, because this is something I think is important and is worth our time, worth monitoring, and worth tracking. So let's talk Hurricane Harvey for a minute. Uh, you know, this was just, I, I'm looking at some, some facts here from um, abcnews.go.com. 20 trillion gallons of rain fell in the Houston area. $125 billion in damages. Uh, 5, $7 billion of that was in destruction alone and $108 billion in total damages counting lost output. 80% of the Texans out there don't have flood insurance. 51.88 inches of rain. Uh, Harvey made landfall three times. Once as a hurricane, twice more as a tropical storm. 185,149 homes estimated to be damaged or destroyed by Harvey as of Friday. Uh, 364,000 people who have registered for assistance with FEMA. 42,399 people in shelters as of Friday. 10,000 people rescued. 200,000 customers without power. 900 calls that poured in per hour to call centers around Houston at the height of the disaster. 120,000 residents. Without water in Beaumont, Texas on Thursday, 24,000 is the number of National Guard troops deployed. 1.5 miles is the radius around Arkema Chemical Plant in Crosby, Texas that was evacuated. 30 to 4 feet, 40 feet, estimated height of the flame at the Arkema Plant after the chemicals combusted, sending a plume of black smoke into the air. 10 Gulf Coast region refineries that remain shut down by Harvey. 2.52, the natural, national average of gas price on Friday, making a 17 cent jump. 500,000 barrels of crude released on Thursday from Strategic Petroleum Reserve. 1.3 million population of Houston metropolitan area lacking health insurance. 22.5% Houston population living below the poverty line. 1,900,000 meals distributed by FEMA in Texas as of Friday. 1,960,000 liters of water distributed by FEMA in Texas as of Friday. Sounds like they're doing much better than Katrina, but it's still... An absolute disaster. I'm going over those numbers right there because this is serious stuff. Bad things happen, okay? And my listeners, my my loyal listeners out there, you know me. I'm not a doom and gloom guy. I'm not a fear mongering guy. I am spreading awareness here. I think that with a disaster, save for a spontaneous event, disasters can be pretty easy to prepare for and to survive you just have to stay informed and you have to stay ahead of it for instance with a hurricane a hurricane doesn't just show up we have plenty of notice which means there's plenty we can do to prepare so it should be easy not to be a victim but it's going to require some planning and some time and maybe a little bit of an investment in money not a whole lot Uh, believe me free is for me that's how I do things here uh, you know, th- this is more stats here. This comes from NaturalNews.com. It's called Hurricane Harvey Prepper Update. This was August twenty-seventh, so this is going back a little bit. Um, but they had municipal water being turned off, electrical services failing, nine-one-one services were overloaded, uh, deputies couldn't reach you, roads are completely flooded over, hospital emergency rooms were shutting down, transport helicopters were grounded food deliveries to grocery stores were dis- disrupted. This is everything, you know, fuels disrupted, cell phone services go down. This is everything they talk about in those doomsday prepper shows when a, a major catastrophe hits. And they can be localized. A disaster can be localized. But the thing is, this can happen anywhere, if not a hurricane, a blizzard, or tornado, an earthquake, uh, a, a mudslide, a, a bomb. So many different things can happen that can completely isolate you and shut you down I want to talk about two courses of action that you can take you can get out of town or you can shelter in place I'm going to talk about the benefits of each one uh, and some things that you can do to prepare for each I I have uh, three or four websites here first one and I will have all the links they'll be going out in the newsletter uh, on Sunday morning if you haven't done so already sign up for my newsletter at serviceofchange.com for the secret newsletter You'll get not only the link directly to the podcast through SoundCloud, through iTunes. Uh, we're also on Google Play now and we're on TuneIn Radio. But you'll have all the show notes, all the links, everything that I mentioned on the show, you will have the links in your inbox. So you can save it. You can save these emails. You can go back to them later. It's a nice, it's, it's a beautiful newsletter. Or if you want, you can just go to servicechange.com, and you can search for the episode, and you can find all the links there, too. But I like the newsletter idea. Create a folder in your inbox. Just start saving them and say, oh, yeah, Dennis was talking about this. Let me go back and check these links now, and they're all right there. But this first link that I grabbed from the government, uh, ready.gov slash hurricanes, and it gives an overview of what a hurricane is, hurricane basics, and it gives you some basic preparedness tips. A lot of these throughout what I'm going to look at, what the sites I'm going to look at, they're going to be similar. They're going to overlap. I'm not going to read every little nitty gritty detail. I'm going to pull some of them out, though. Uh, basic preparedness tips. Nowhere to go if you're ordered to evacuate. See, th- if you go to Ready.gov, they're going to give you all things that center around listening to the government, listening to the emergency broadcasts, and knowing what to do, which is not a bad idea. You need to know what they're recommending that you do. And they have things. Get a bug out kit. Um, you know, know your evacuation route. Have a family communication plan. Sign up for text or email alerts, which, I, which are all great ideas. It talks on how to prepare your home, uh, what a hurricane watch is, what a hurricane warning is, the difference between them and what you should be doing, uh, and what to do when it's 6 hours away, when it's 6 to 18 hours away. They have a whole timeline here of how you can prepare and then what to do after it. And something that it touches on here that I want to get into also is that Sometimes we need to think beyond the personal safety, survive the apocalypse prep, and we need to come back to this reality. I don't mean in the we're crazy and let's come back to reality. I mean the reality of after the storm and the craziness is over, you're going to have to deal with the damage to your home. If you can think long term and prepare your home by boarding up your windows, um, you know, making sure your insurance policy is up to date, making sure you have copies of your insurance policies, these are things that you're going to want to do before a disaster hits, insurance policies update do that long before a disaster hits. But if you know one's coming, print out a copy of your insurance policy, put it in a Ziploc bag, stick it in your bug out bag. Make sure you have the contact information for your insurance agent. Make sure you have your policy numbers, any insurance cards that you may need. Take pictures of your house and all of your stuff with a time date stamp or take a video of it or whatever you have to do. And if you transfer it to a a flash drive, put it in a zip bag, keep it on your phone, whatever you have to do as documentary evidence showing this is my stuff. This is what I have. Go around, film your whole house. I've done that for Hurricane Sandy. I walked around my whole house and I took video of everything. Nothing really got damaged during that storm, but it was it was good for me to at least have that video evidence in case there was a problem. Nobody can come back and say, "Hey, this really wasn't damaged. This was in this condition for a long time," or whatever they want to say, because now you have your evidence before and after the storm. So just something to keep in mind uh, that you may want to do in preparing for a storm, because we have to think we have to think about what happens afterwards after we've survived and after we're starting to clean up. All right, the next website I looked at was backdoorsurvival.com, how to get ready for a hurricane. I'm going to try to read the list. They have, you know, a, a build up to it, but they have a hurricane ready checklist. Before hurricane season starts, plan an evacuation route. Contact the local emergency management office to learn about the community hurricane preparedness plan. This plan should include information on the safest evacuation routes and nearby shelters. Learn safe routes inland. Be ready to drive 20 to 50 miles inland to locate a safe place. Okay, this is very important. You want to know what your where your local emergency shelters are. What if you don't have to evacuate totally but and you're in your house and your house gets damaged and you have to leave? Know where you can go if you have to get out of town quick but you still need to get into shelter relatively quickly. Know where your local community shelters are. Know what the emergency evacuation routes are. Also know the alternate routes, because sometimes the emergency evacuation routes are completely blocked because everybody's on it. Sometimes those routes are necessary because they travel over high ground. I have been in my previous neighborhood when there were major storms coming through. At one point, I felt that I was trapped because every road leading out of town, except for one I found out, was completely flooded. So that's another thing you need to be mindful of. Where's the high ground? Where are the ways that I can get out if this road is blocked or slowed or whatever? Uh, Or if you're leaving before the storm and there's just tons of traffic, know your back roads. That's very important to do. Not only that, study your map, print out a copy of the map. Don't rely on Google Maps because if everybody's getting out of town at the same time, the network might be overloaded, the system might shut down, the battery in your phone might die. This is an old army thing for me. Batteries die technology fails know how to read a map know how to use a compass that's something that you should have in your kit if you don't know it just get a map and start studying the streets so you know which way to go drive your neighborhood drive your route from time to time okay so that's your hurricane checklist before hurricane season begins have disaster supplies on hand they the what they recommend here is flashlight and extra batteries Portable battery-operated radio or hand crank and extra batteries. I have a flashlight with three with three sets of rechargeable batteries. I have like five or six flashlights. We also have candles in our home. I have an emergency crank radio that gets all the different weather stations so I get emergency updates. Never have to put a battery in it. All I have to do is crank it up, and I can I can get the emergency weather broadcast, and I can get just music to listen to, which helps kill the time if the power goes out. But it also has um, a phone charger attached to it from cranking the radio, and it has a flashlight on it. So if my batteries run out, I can crank. I have two of these. I, I, with, actually, I have three of them. Um, three self-sufficient power supplies that will allow me to charge my equipment, listen to a radio, and to use lighting. So these are things that you can get them relatively cheap, 15, 20 bucks. They're well worth the investment. They're small. They can fit in a bug out bag. I say that's a must-have. Uh, you want to get a non-electric can opener. I have a multi-tool. I have several multi-tools that I have in different spots um, because you want to be able to open your cans. Uh, emergency food and water, essential medicines, cash and credit cards, sturdy shoes. Sturdy shoes because you may have to walk out of town. So yes, you want to have your credit cards, but ATMs may be down. You want to have cash on hand in case the world hasn't completely ended and people are still using money. You want to be able to have that cash on hand. Um, you know, and, and again, have your medicines ready. These are things you want to take care of before the hurricane hits. So if you're somebody who's not really into prepping and don't want to always have a bug out bag, which I don't recommend, I think you should always have something ready to go. If at least you hear there's a storm coming, this is the stuff you want to start getting ready because you may have to get your bag and get out of town quickly and you don't want to forget things. Write this list down as you're listening to the show. Take notes, go back, listen to the show again, write stuff down. I'm going to have the websites, go back. There's like four or five articles Go back, read them, read one a day, read, read them all at once, and write down what you think is important for you and your family because every single person's plan is going to be different. Uh, it says protect your windows, and this goes in what I was talking about. Uh, You know how to prepare your home for it. Develop an emergency communication plan in case your family members are separated, where your cell phones may not work or they may not be working in a given area. Sometimes you can call out to an area not affected by the disaster. So have a point of contact person. So call somebody. If you live in town A, uh, you know, and you get separated from your family and you can't contact each other, but you can call over to town B have a point of contact in Town B. So you can call Town B and say, hey, we're safe. Have you heard from my mother, my brother, whoever? And they can say, yes, I heard from them. They're safe as well. They are waiting at X location. Go pick them up. Have a third party to communicate or have a rally point or a rendezvous point. If we get separated, here's where we go. If we're not there by X amount of hours, there's a problem. Different options for communicating. And again, this goes into... The difference between hurricane watches and warnings. I'll save this link for you to go back and look at uh, on your own at your leisure. This next one, American Preppers Network, Basic Hurricane Preparedness Guidelines. Uh, Again, they talk about make sure you have a good insurance policy. Do a good home inventory, which helps for filing claims, which is stuff I already talked about. Uh, Protect your property by storing some items around you. Uh, where are we at here around your home that counteract the effects of a hurricane on it hurricane shutters or at least plywood boards on your windows outside will help keep your home protected against high winds but you also need to install anchors and work on pre-drilling holes so that you can put a ladder up fast head and foot bolts for your doors will also give them additional sturdiness that you can count on if you need to you can also use hurricane clips or straps to help hold the roof onto the walls above your home above all Make sure you have a safe hurricane-proof room capable of withstanding flying debris, high winds, and impacts, preferably your basement, with concrete walls, storm shutters to keep you alive through it. And that's a good point. If you're riding out a storm or you find yourself in a storm, you need to know where to go in your home. A room that's centralized, hopefully doesn't have any windows, and you can get in there and you can pull a, a mattress over you or heavy clothing over you, something to protect you in case the roof comes off and debris starts coming down you and your family want to be somewhere safe, protected on an interior room within your home. It talks about an emergency supply kit, uh, and it talks about never take risks to save material belongings, and that's something I'm going to get into in a little bit when I talk about some of my experiences. Don't take unnecessary risks. Don't take the chance. If there's an option that it could be dangerous, find another way, unless you absolutely have to. And Like I said, I'm going to talk about that uh, shortly once I get through this next article. This one is from happypreppers.com. How to prepare for a hurricane, hurricane preparedness. They have a video, and they have uh, a whole bunch of different bullet points. Get your gear in order. Uh, Have a communications plan. Uh, I'm not reading all the breakdowns of it, but uh, assign a safe place for a meetup, which I already said. Know what to do about your utilities. How do you turn off your electricity? How do you shut off your water if a pipe bursts? Uh, how do you shut off your gas? Again, if you're, one of your, your propane or natural gas valves bursts, these are all things you know how to do without thinking about it. You know how to find them in the dark. Train everyone in your family to do it in case you're not home or in case you're injured. Hey, if something happens, if you smell gas, if you, if the water starts leaking, here's where you go to turn these things off and let them Practice it. I'm going to talk about practicing in a minute. Uh, ensure you can batten down the hatches. It's talking about the importance of being able to close everything up tightly. Uh, with hurricane shutters. Hurricane tape is not for windows, it says here. Let's see. Gather your memories, not your things. I'll read that one. Well, in advance of a disaster, disaster, you can ensure your memories are secure. Upload pictures to Shutterfly. Get a flash drive and a scanner so you have access to reprinting important pictures and you'll have copies of important documents. Do these things well in advance of a hurricane watch and you'll be one step ahead of other kinds of disasters i think that makes a lot of sense um you know my wife has some friends who lost everything all their stuff was in a storage in storage because they were living in an apartment and their home was being built so most of their stuff was in storage which is not completely underwater in texas and all their pictures and things were in there and again that's just stuff and stuff can be replaced but it still sucks to lose those memories especially if you don't have to so it takes time These things take time, but if you say, you know what, I'm going to spend right now, I'm going to spend 10 minutes a night just scanning pictures in so you have a backup copy if that's what's important to you. Scan your marriage licenses, scan all your birth certificates, social security cards. Have that stuff. If you don't want to keep it on your computer because it's connected to the Internet, have it on a thumb drive, keep it with your emergency bag that's ready to go in case you have to get out of town quickly. Uh, Again, know your insurance policy uh, and, and have a copy of it with you. Get it before you need it. Uh, Let's see. Have some money available. (sighs) Know the drill. It it goes into take care of special needs. Grab medications and ice if necessary for people with diabetes. Get your glasses. Grab kids retainers, favorite teddy bear blanket, menstrual pads, diapers, etc. Secure your pets. You need to have a leash or some kind of carrier ready for your pets. You do not want to leave your pets behind Outside equipment, secure that so it's not going to blow away and cause any more damage or injury. Move furniture away from the windows. Uh, Interview with everyone where the meetup place is. And it talks about evacuate, don't wait, and I completely agree with that. If you've got these warnings that, hey, things are going to be bad, don't listen to the governor. Because apparently these governors, or a lot of these governors, are saying, I just stay, ride the storm out. Get out of town. And get out of town sooner rather than later. Uh, let's see and, and, and there's this is a pretty good list and, and I'm going to let you look at this list again this is from happypreppers.com check out the, the link in the show notes and in the newsletter because it, it goes on and on. I could read this for the next half hour of everything that they talked about I'm going to talk about my experiences and my list things that I think are important in preparing for a disaster and then I'm going to wrap up the show it's not going to take this much longer but I think it's important Uh, And again, my background, I have a military background uh, and a former police officer first responder. In 2005, right after Katrina hit, uh, I volunteered and I went down. I linked up with a security detail and um, we were pretty much protecting um, our client who was Employing volunteers to serve, I think we're feeding a thousand people a day, and they would just drive through the line. And at night, we're on guard duty guarding our food because it was a disaster down there. The government messed everything up. Nobody had emergency supplies; weren't going where they needed to. Ice was getting wasted. Clothes were that were done. I mean, I remember seeing just piles and piles of clothes just sitting out in the mud and rain, completely ruined that people had sent down in good faith. And there was nothing. There was no electricity. There's no showers. There's no running water. Um, so it, it was the real deal. So that's, that's a little bit of my experience with, with this stuff you know with my training and then with actually going down to a hurricane and knowing, yeah real bad things can happen. I remember standing uh, on what I thought was the shoreline and looking out and seeing land all around me just covered in debris. And it turns out what I was standing on looking out on was the, a waterway. but I couldn't see any water because there was just pieces of houses flattened and everywhere. I mean, this town, I was in a town called Slidell. It was completely flattened and ruined, and there was nothing left but debris in all directions for miles. So the worst does happen. How do you prepare for that when well, you get out of town? But some people, obviously a lot of people came back. Some people were stranded. Some people were stuck trying to rebuild. But you have nothing, so you need to have a plan. And the first thing you need to understand is that bad things can happen. So if you're going to shelter in place, let's say you make the decision, you don't think that the storm is going to be that bad, and you're going to shelter in place, you need to prepare as if the storm is going to take a turn for the worst, and you're going to be stuck, and it is going to to become a worst-case scenario. I'm not saying be afraid, I'm not saying be paranoid, but it's better to prepare for more than what you need than to under-prepare and have less than what you need. Things I've already talked about, climate control, you know, are you going to be able to stay warm at night or are you going to need to find a way to cool yourselves down? You know, if you have me, if I'm without power and it's in the wintertime, I have a wood burning stove. So I make sure I have enough wood that's chopped and prepared and I have it in different places around my property and around my home that is easily accessible, that's dry enough for me to be able to burn my fuel to keep my family warm if I have no power. Clean water. Do you have a way of getting clean water? Several suggestions that I've read online. If you know a storm's coming, you may be losing power, you may be losing water. Fill up your bathtub, fill up your sinks, fill up empty gallons of water. Have stuff ready. Um, I've got several things that I can do to fill up water. Plus, I have a rain barrel, so it catches, I think it holds, I don't know, like 100 gallons of water. Um, And then I have a a water filtration system. It's gravity-fed, doesn't require any Uh, any electricity whatsoever i just pour it in it filters through in about a half hour and that'll give me i think three or four gallons uh you know in like an hour so i can filter water all day long and be good to go without any electricity and i have several waterways near me where i know i can get to to fill up and and have safe drinking water for my family if i need it so have a plan to have clean water food obviously you want to stock up on food and again a rule of thumb it's a minimum three days but I think you should prepare to have something to eat for one to two weeks one to three weeks because I mean look at what's going on in Texas they're going to be cleaning up and digging out for for quite some time and it's going to be at least that amount of time if it's if it's a localized disaster it's going to be at least that amount of time before help can really start establishing itself stably and start the food distribution networks again so I'd be prepared for about three weeks worth of stuff first aid Don't just have the supplies, know how to do it, know how to use it, and take advantage of every opportunity to practice. First thing you want to do is go take a course in first aid, American Red Cross, Cross American Heart Association, they offer them all the time, maybe your local YMCA. Go online and just watch people do it, but it's better to go and get the hands-on experience. But if if you can't do that, go online and watch first aid videos. You'll learn something. The key is to do something, to have some kind of plan, and then build up your first aid kit. Make sure you have some kind of antibiotics or, or um, I'm sorry, something to clean your wounds with to keep infection out of your wounds. Something to address your wounds with. you know, Something to make splints with, tourniquets with. Um, these are all things you want to put into your first aid kits. Again, make sure you have your medicines and stuff that you're going to need as well. And you want to have tools. You want to have you know tools that you may need with you. Uh, definitely have an axe or some kind of hatch or some kind of large cutting tool. Uh, in case you're trapped in your house, you have to chop or hack your way out. In case you have to chop down trees or or whatever, something falls on your house. I have a chainsaw. Have your chainsaw gassed up and ready to go. Um, You know, have appropriate tools available and in a location that you can get to because you may need them. Have a communication plan. If the cell phone goes down, how are you going to communicate with people? Um, You know, you can use the Internet, which is great, but again, if you lose power and you can't get on the Internet, what are you going to do? Uh, Fuel and chargers I talked about. Fill up the gas cans. Make sure your car has a full tank of gas long before this storm comes into play. Have a couple gas cans that are filled up with gas as well. So if you have to get out of town, or like we're seeing now, gas gas stations are running out of fuel locally, if you have three or four cans of gas, you're good to go. If you have to get out of town and there's no gas for 100 miles, well, now you just extended the life of your vehicle because you have gas cans filled with gas that you can take with you. Have some way to entertain yourself card games, um, music as long as your batteries last you, um, You know, books to read, board games to play, stories to tell, hobbies, painting, whatever it is that you do, have things available that you're going to be able to entertain yourself so you don't have to go crazy and mad with all the boredom. And pets, have preparations for your pets. Make sure you have enough food and water on hand for your pets. Make sure that they have their... Their tags on them during the entire storm, not just when the storm hits or is over or whatever, because if the worst happens and you get separated from your pet, you want them to be reunited with you. So put their collars on them with their tags, with all of your information, your address, your contact phone number, your emergency contact's phone number, so wherever you're going, they can call that person if they can't get in touch with you to take care of your pets. All this stuff is important. Uh, and, And then in addition to that, you should have a bug-out bag packed and ready to go that has a condensed version of all of this stuff I just talked about, what you deem to be the bare essentials that will get you out of your house within one to two minutes and you have enough stuff to survive on your own until you can get to your next location, your next shelter, your, your bug-out location, wherever it is that you're going. You need to have a bag ready to go. Um, you know, My wife still teases me. My friend still tease me. There's a picture floating around on the Internet somewhere. I have a big camping backpack, and uh, a couple years ago, we had a hurricane hit, and we're riding it out, and it was getting pretty bad out there. We had actually tornadoes touching down all around us, and I actually decided, this sounds bad. We got an alert on the TV, tornado touchdown two miles away, take shelter now, so I ran into the hallway. Uh, which was central to my home, and I put my, my bug-out bag on. Number one, it's got a lot of weight to it. Um, it. At that time, I was carrying too much stuff, but I'm thinking I won't get blown away. <laughs> Number two, my thoughts were, if a tornado hits my neighbor's house, my house, whatever, and we need to leave right away, I don't have to fumble around and grab my stuff. That's how scared I was at that point because it was like tornado touchdown and then the power goes out in my house. I put the bag on. I got into the hallway and braced for the worst. Fortunately, nothing hit our home at that point, but I was ready to go. And thank goodness I had that backpack. It just gave me a sense of security. And that's the other thing about having a plan You're less likely to panic if you have a plan in your head because you say, I have something to do. It occupies your mind away from being afraid. And that is huge because the most important thing in a crisis situation is the ability to have a calm and clear mind to make decisions, to make safe, rational decisions that are going to keep you and your loved ones safe. So have that bug out bag ready. Have your vehicle parked in a strategic position where you're going to be able to get out and get out quickly and get everybody in your home and pets included out of the house quickly. You may even want to have your vehicle packed and ready to go with extra supplies so you don't have to worry about grabbing, dragging stuff out of your house in case you have to leave. Now, speaking of which, the next possibility is leaving the area. Now, if they're having these hurricane recommendations or whatever they're they're calling for, my advice is, if there's a potential for it to go bad, just leave. It usually doesn't last more than a couple of days if nothing gets damaged and you can go home. But if things get damaged, you're going to be so thankful that you left home, especially if you have a family. Now, if I was younger and didn't have a family and kids and stuff, yeah, you know, I like to do that hardcore stuff. Like, I can ride this out. I'll be fine. Which isn't always the best idea. I mean, people died during this hurricane. My advice... If they're calling for it to be bad, get out of town. And get out of town right away. Because otherwise, you're going to sit in that traffic. Go somewhere safe. Go stay with friends and family in a different town, different area, different location. And and just ride the storm out. It's so much safer. Your house can be replaced. If you've taken all the precautions ahead of time with the insurance, if you've uploaded your pictures, if you've taken all your valuables that you don't want to lose out of there, your, your worry is minimal. Everything else can be replaced. Everything else can be taken care of. You and your family are safe. That's what matters. Don't try to be a hero. So I, I had a similar situation this past March. And I think I talked about it on the show. But it's, it's very relevant now. They called for the biggest blizzard we'd seen in a long time. Up where I live in the mountains. That blizzard was scheduled to hit the day we were scheduled to deliver my daughter. I know my wife was nine months pregnant, and we made the decision. We were nervous. What are we going to do? What if we go into labor early, or what if we decide, you know, because we were going to go down. The storm was supposed to start, I think, Sunday. We were supposed to go in Monday morning. So we were afraid that if we stay here Sunday night, we're going to wake up, and there's going to be, two feet of snow on the ground, our vehicle is going to be snowed in and we're not going to be able to go anywhere or in my efforts to get through this, my wife was going to go into labor and we be stuck on the side of the road with no way for emergency personnel to get to us. So anyway, we drove down to the hospital which it was about an hour away from us the night before. We got a hotel room, which was 10 blocks from the hospital. So we knew that we were going to be safe. We weren't going to have to worry about being snowed in, not having power, And we could safely deliver the baby in the hospital where we were supposed to. But in preparation for that, I had a couple things to keep in mind. My other two children and my dogs were staying with my mother, who lives in the same neighborhood as me. So they were going to be impacted by this blizzard. The biggest threat to that was maybe they'd end up without power, but she has backup and alternative heat, so I wasn't worried about them being without heat. They had plenty of food to last them until a path could be cleared to them, so I wasn't worried about them actually getting hurt. I was just worried about them being stranded in the snow without power and bored not knowing what to do. So I packed my vehicle, and in my head, I'm prepared to basically walk back home if I needed to, if a worst-case scenario happened and I needed to get to my kid's. But I was also prepared to drive through some pretty rough conditions. And in my car, I had I had a sled because I was thinking, well, if I have to walk, I can throw all my supplies and gear. I can tie it to that sled and I can pull what's important that I have to get to. I had my chainsaw with me. My wife said, why are you a chainsaw to the hospital? I said, because if I'm driving somewhere and a tree falls down in front of me and I can't backtrack, I need to be able to take care of this tree, move it out of the way, and keep going down my route so I can get home to my kids. Um, you know, I, I had tools, I had extra, extra blankets, I had thermal gear for my clothing, I had my cold weather gear, I had five gallons of water that I kept in my car, um, plenty of food, I, you know, the list goes on, but these are things that I was thinking about because what I did is I spent a lot of time sitting there thinking, what would be the worst case scenario, what tools could I use that would help make this easier for me? Now again, I do try to pack... Light, but when I'm throwing stuff in my car, it's a little bit easier than when I'm throwing stuff in my backpack. I had bags ready to go where if I have to walk, I knew what gear I was going to be taking with me on foot. I just anticipated every scenario that I could think of. Was it every scenario available? No. Well, a lot of that stuff ended up coming in handy. Fortunately, my vehicle was able to make it to my neighborhood. But I had to get out. I had a shovel with me. I had to get out and do some shoveling a couple of times to get down certain streets. Uh, And then I had to shovel my mother out of her house because I went to get to my street, and it was impossible to get down to my home, where I had all of my other tools that I was planning that I would have been planning on using to help my mom get get out of her house to get to my kids. So fortunately, I had the tools in my vehicle. It saved me about two hours worth of hiking and digging out. I was able to get them dug out, I was able to get to my home and get my home dug out, so then I was able to clear a path so they can go back and pick up my wife and my new daughter and bring them home safely through that blizzard. I hope that wasn't this long, boring, drawn-out story. My point is, I was calm during the whole thing because I knew I had a plan, I had adequate tools, I had adequate training and experience to safely navigate this Challenge that was presented in front of me. Another good point about that with training, how do you train for a disaster? Well, anytime something minor happens that you say, hey, this is a good opportunity to run through my bug-out drill, this is a good opportunity to make sure I remember where all my emergency switches are, use it as a training opportunity. Get up off your butt and run through what you would do if it was more severe or if it was the real thing and just do it. I do that regularly or I'll run through the scenarios in my mind. Hey, if this happens, how am I going to handle it? I'm beating this up enough I hope I uh, haven't have overloaded you with information. One more thing to add into your vehicle. Again, make sure you have those paper maps and a compass. Very important stuff. Again, uh, I hope I didn't overload you with information. I know I went on a little bit with this show. It's so important and it's so relevant right now with, with what's going on with Harvey and with this new storm that may be coming our way up the East Coast for those of us uh, that may be in that path. Start preparing now. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to go out and spend a million dollars on the most expensive stuff. Chances are you have enough stuff lying around your house that you can use to adequately prepare for a disaster. And then over time, make small investments. I got a I got a nice chainsaw last year for Christmas. That's what I asked for and I have a nice chainsaw now. So I have that investment that I can add to my my gear of stuff in case a disaster hits an emergency strikes. That's all the time I have, my friends. I hope you found this information helpful and useful uh, to you know in, in putting together your own preparations for an emergency. I hope you don't ever need to use that information, but with the way things are going, storms keep getting worse and worse, it seems like this is a topic for a different day. Is it a product of climate change? Is it a product of just natural uh, climate in general? or is harp at play? I'm sure there's some great YouTube videos out there. Have not had an opportunity to check them out yet, but it'll be well worth your time, I'm sure, if you can find anything on it. I'm Dennis Nappy the Second. This has been another episode of the Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep open mind. <laughs>